Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James and I am here with my co-host Elizabeth. Elizabeth, we have a special guest in the studio today. Uh, as is usually the case these days, uh, we have with us today the executive director here at Northside Church, Ken Snell. Ken. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? How is your fall kicking off so far? The weather's been beautiful outside. It's been great. Um, just love the, the chill in the air. Yeah. Isn't that nice? It's refreshing. Yeah, it really the Braves is. won last night. They oh, did. Well, there you go. They did. Uh, <laughs> they kept the massive, like, amazing double play, but... That's yeah, for another was, podcast for yeah, another time. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, today we are here together uh, to talk about a topic that is near and dear to all of our hearts. We want to talk about what the church is, or what is church, or what do we mean when we say, hey, church. Mm-hmm. So that's our topic today. <laughs> uh, to, to, to kick us off, um, I'll say that we have been looking into the book of Acts in my weekly Bible studies here at Northside. And it is about the birth of the church, largely. Uh, it starts with the ascension of Jesus Christ, but then dives into Pentecost, the birthday of the church, and then gets into the very first kind of steps the church took uh, after uh, Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit was was given as a gift to the church. So uh, this is a topic that's kind of been on my mind quite a bit. And as we've been working on the devotional for Advent and Lent, we're always thinking about well, how do we like shape this in terms of church language and, and church um, and the church here at Northside. Uh, but let's just start with the conversation by asking, what is church? So I, um, I looked up, I just Googled what is church uh, just to see what the internet would have to say about that topic. And the first thing was your you like, chat GPT. No, I did not. It's basically the same thing. But um, the first thing was your standard like Oxford. It was the Merriam Webster, Merriam Webster Oxford definition, and it's building, right? The church um, is a building, okay. right? And then, and as you get farther down, some of the more Jesus, you know, Bible sites come up, and they start talking about church as people. Or gathering mm-hmm. or fellowship and that's what I love thinking about I think that's what I love and what hit me really hard thinking about acts is because I do tend to think of church as church right it's the building mm-hmm. with the steeple open the doors you see all the people right you know it's it's a building she just did a little thing with her hands everybody because she you know, we you all know what that, that is come yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> and um, but this this time period and acts there's no there's no building with a steeple mm-hmm. Right. This is not church to these people like churches, people, literal people gathering together in someone's home. Right. Right. And that just blows my mind. It's so beautiful. Right. This is the first iteration of the church as we know it. I got to say, I'm a little disappointed because uh, we spend so much time around here, or at least I do, uh, trying to convince people that church isn't a building, that it is the people like you're talking about, Elizabeth. And the very first definition in the dictionary is that it's a building. This is another lie the world is trying to tell us <laughs> there we go. as Christians in the, in the world today. Yeah, you go to church, right? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And it's twenty seven ninety nine right. Northside Drive. That's right. I go to church. I go yeah. to church. Rather you should be the church, right. which right. is a whole different way of thinking we, about church. we measure how many times people go to church. Right. 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 But do we measure how many times two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ? Mm. Because that, I think, is a better definition of what we mean by church. Yeah. So the, even the word church has a little bit of 
confusion around it, a little bit of, right. of ambiguousness around it, or ambiguity, I guess there is the word. Uh, Ken, you and I were talking yesterday yeah. um, uh, when I when I let you know you were going to be on the podcast today. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and, what, and what our topic was going to be. Uh, and uh, you, you mentioned uh, that you were part of a church plant one time and that there, the word church was, a, was problematic or that there was Ooh. an issue around the word church. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we, we started a, a nonprofit in Ontario to, Canada? to plant a church Yeah, because we've been going there, working in a neighborhood, doing just relationship building. And all these people wanted to follow Jesus, and was like, okay, well, we need a church, right? Uh-huh. But they weren't all that excited about church. They said, no, our church is when we're with you all, and you're here, work, you know, working with our kids, or yeah, just being in the neighborhood, helping us with our garage sales and stuff like yeah. that. And so we realized that church was a real, the just the term church was a turn off yeah and i've thought about how many words are just used in a religious context yeah. you know mm-hmm. i mentioned to you yesterday the word pew mm-hmm. you don't go to a restaurant and say oh i'd like that pew <laughs> yeah but in right. church right. you have a pew and sometimes your name is on that pew right? yeah yeah so it's it's just odd right. how we use um you know so you get in a context where it's more secular uh-huh. And it's like, it's church just, is just, just a bench, kind of a, man. That's just a bench. <laughs> church is a bad word, yeah. you know, because yeah. I have a bad experience. Yeah. People have come and, and tried to get me to go to church, right. but it was felt more coercive or it felt more like, well, they don't really understand what I need. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, the church, yeah, that's always, you know, the church is people but people have a hard time getting along don't they they do they do uh that has been the historical uh, reality of people in general just have to read acts yeah you that's know, exactly you right come i mean across acts 15 and you find out oh goodness gracious how are these people going to be church together <laughs> right you know that's one of the things that's really jumped out we we're just in the early chapters of acts and in the study that we're doing um we we, we kind of uh have hovered around chapter two quite a bit uh in in these studies and one of the things that's come out that I think a lot of people have been shocked about or ask about is the the kind of unity and the way people do get along, how mm. they have everything in common or how they're, they're sharing uh, all, all that they have together and they're breaking bread together and fellowshipping together and they're praying together mm. and doing all these things together. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, discord or disunity. There doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, disagreement or conflict or anything like that. And, and a lot of people are asking, like, well, how is that even possible? Or is this mm. just like unrealistic ideals that we find in, in acts that that we can't aspire to and one of the things that's come out of that conversation is the necessity of having the holy spirit present mm. within a community in right. order to bring that kind of uh, uh unity to the church mm. itself right um so that's one thing yeah i've heard the the book of acts described as the acts of the apostles mm-hmm. but Someone else has described it as the acts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, and, you know, when you start approaching it that way, you see the essentiality of God moving in today, you know, yeah. through all of those events and activities and interactions. You Absolutely. Know, so. And you certainly can't limit the movement of the Spirit or the acts of the Spirit to a building. To, and mm-hmm. so if, if church 
If church is another definition, maybe I'll throw out there. If church is the place where the spirit moves in the people of God, it can't just be in a building. Yeah. So I kind of agree with you, Ontario mm-hmm. folk. Uh, yeah. How, what, so we, we, we started this church called Love First Church. Mm-hmm. And people are like, um, we like love first. <laughs> but church has this connotation of, you know, boundaries. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the challenges for people who have had bad church experiences is how do I belong? Yeah. You know, what does it feel like to belong? And, uh, and so, you know, we said we need to change the name of this. We'll just call it Love First Mission. Our mission is to help mm-hmm. people love first. Yeah. And, yeah. and part of that was just acknowledging that, you know, when you've used a word in a certain way for so long, yeah. you forget that it's not, Twenty-seven ninety-nine is not a place I go to yeah. with a certain, you know, sense of aura about it. Right. It's the people that I participate with and who are, you know, we're trying to help each other yeah. figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. So we've talked about this before, um, but I think there is a level that we we start thinking too much and doing less with our hands and we have more time to argue over things, you know, the the less we have our hands occupied actually doing God's work. You know, I obviously thinking is great. Education is fantastic. Knowledge Mm -hmm. is wonderful. You know, it takes, you know, mindful thinking to do this, but sometimes we go too far and think about too much. And when the emphasis is not as much on doing we get a little bit lost and this, this might be heresy, but I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, the, these folks, you know, in this acts, you know, story that we have, they don't have a church and that's one less thing to argue about. Mm. You know, <laughs> we spend you a lot by church, of by building, or right. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't have a building to argue over. Right. You know, mm-hmm. talking about why are they so, why is there so much unity, you know, <laughs> in, mm. in, in this group of people, um, and certainly they were not perfect, but it's as this story kind of goes farther and farther on, right? You get Paul talking to all these, you know, later on addressing all these different establishments and they have something to argue about, right? Mm-hmm. There's just more and more things to argue about the longer this thing goes on. But if you're not spending energy and time worrying about a building, you know, or how a system needs to function, mm-hmm. you have more time to serve, right? If you're more focused on serving, and I've heard you say this before, James, you know, like we're all out there on a Habitat for Humanity build and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what uh, political party you're voting for or what football team you care about or what you do think about the Sanctuary Restoration Project. We're too busy serving and right. working and doing something with our hands to have time to argue about that. And of course we need structure, we need systems, we need all these things, but mm. I don't know. I think there's a lesson there. There's something poignant about that to me. Yeah. I, I think uh, when you look in those first chapters of Acts, the you only have to get chapter six to start seeing there's a conflict. Right. Yeah. It doesn't take long. <laughs> yeah. But well, you don't even get chapter six. You get chapter five when Annas and Sapphira are like. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, that right. was a bit of a conflict. <laughs> uh, but but I think part of it too is just that sense of, you know, when I have found this treasure, yeah, then everything else fades away. So it's I've come into this yeah. relationship with Jesus. I've experienced the Holy Spirit in my yeah. life. And, and so 
that commonality kind of overcomes, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, in chapter 15, you get to the, hey, what kind of, are we going to drink blood or not? You know, kind of <laughs> conflict. Right, like, right. I don't think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. First church so, council meeting of the entire. So you start getting some yeah. of those conflicts yeah. that, that do grow over time because now you've got to decide what's what's in, what's out, what's. Yeah. Where do we draw belong? Who belongs to this? Right. You know. Once you start to try to figure out what identity is, yeah. what your identity is going to be, do you set your identity by setting a, a border, or do you set your identity mm. by by focusing on the center? Like right. what's what's key, what's important, or yeah. who's in and who's out? Kind yeah. of. Uh, and those are two different ways of of setting the identity of any social organization. But when we're talking about the church or mm-hmm. the disciples of Jesus Christ, whatever term we want to use, you know, we're talking about getting to the heart of why we do what we do and why we believe what we believe. I like the overcome word that you just used, Ken. Like maybe that's a a good way to think about it is to make sure regardless of what material or building thing or, you know, blood or not blood conflict is around us, always making sure that we let the Holy Spirit overcome Mm -hmm. all those things at the end of the day. Right. Right. That's where that unity comes from. That's exactly right. And I'll say this, because I don't think the presence of conflict or disagreement in a church or in any group of people is necessarily a bad thing. In fact, Mm-mm. I think that's how our church grows. Yeah, uh, A church natural. grows by really wrestling with, well, you know, that's how you know you're taking faith seriously, is when you are truly wrestling with questions of identity, questions mm-hmm. of what do we believe and things like that. That kind of conflict um, is, is a healthy conflict mm. if, if it is, you know, saturated with the Holy Spirit and people truly are allowing themselves to fall away and pride doesn't become an issue and you allow the Spirit to overcome in the way mm-hmm. that you guys have been talking about, right? That's how a church grows. I mean, that, that's, a, that's how you deepen your faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a, a concept that I, you know, has infiltrated kind of the way I think about church uh, that I learned a number of years ago from a, Lauren Mead, who worked for the Auburn Institute, and he he talks about the apostolic, you know, what we read about in Acts, and he's talking about part of what brought that unity was the fact that when you stepped outside this group of people, you were in the mission field. Yeah, it was hostility and threat all out there so we're going to stick together because just outside our door yeah and so um and then he talked about the effect of christendom Mm. you know creating more the parishes where the government and the society supports what the church is doing and it's sort of church and kingdom are equivalent that's what i call the fall of the church and i blame it all on constantine (laughs) Well, Thanks, yeah, and and uh, Lauren Mead says we're coming back into an era, and we have been for the last 30, 40, 50 years, where the now we're we're moving back and where everything is not. I mean, some things are beneficial and right. support the values of the church, but some things are hostile. Yeah, and so we're coming back into that, which is driving us back to where do we find unity yeah. if we don't all think alike just exactly alike you know how do we what we unify as you said about something that we you know that's in the center yeah rather than taking up all the peripheral Mm -hmm. issues and trying to 
get in total alignment on everything. Yeah. I think the issue there, though, and maybe this wasn't an issue in the, in the first days of the church, the first years of the church, but I think that kind of mentality of kind of coming back together because everything's hostile around us is another way of talking about what people are calling tribalism. Right, mm-hmm. where people, right. you know, it doesn't have to be a church. It could be any group of people exactly. who feel like they're threatened by the world around them, and so they find something they have in common, they come together, and then they they perpetrate conflict or 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 are, don't get along with other tribes that mm-hmm. have different right. feelings, right? I think we can see that playing out uh, in our political sphere, in the secular world. Yeah. I guess my question would be for us, you know, I, I think that there's some truth to what, what you're saying and to, you said, Lauren Mead, Lauren right. Mead's modeler. Right. But I also think I'm wondering how do we overcome that kind of move toward it, it is only us and it's, it's all about us and, and us first kind of mentality. Yeah, that's an interesting point of tension. So how to be different enough from the world set apart enough because I just imagining like the value in that, right? Mm-hmm. If we're the church is too close culturally to the world, then there's just this, right. you know, it's right. too fluid of a boundary. Right. And in, in a, in a bad way, right. Um, the, in the world, not of the world kind of thing. But if we become too exclusive thinking that we're so much better than the world because we are so different, that's the other extreme mm-hmm. and that's not healthy either. Um, and I wonder if that just goes back to the, like the outpouring thing, the idea that faith is an outpouring. It's not just, just my personal relationship with God. It's not just the things I do, Mm. you know, the works that I do in relation to other people. It has to be a connection to God that then results in an outpouring of love for others. Mm. It's the movement. And maybe that gets back to what the people that you were starting that church with were all about is. It's the mission of mm-hmm. the church that makes it different from from other social yeah. organizations, right? So yeah. it's that sense of, um, you know, we talk about, I talked, I mentioned the word tribalism. We go back to the original tribes, the tribes of Israel, and you go back to Israel itself as um, a chosen people. This is God's first church, right? We talk about church in that, in that sense. The people of Israel being God's first church, but they weren't chosen as a way to set themselves apart in order for them to kind of be uh, be disconnected from the world mm-hmm. or they weren't chosen because they were God's like favorite thing that he's putting up on the shelf that you know that that is, mm-hmm. is so highly praised or whatever he chose them as he chose chooses everybody for purpose for mission mm-hmm. uh, and that purpose and mission for Israel was to was to take the knowledge of God of Yahweh to the nations of the world right mm-hmm. it was and it was to draw people to God not not to say that hey look at us we're chosen we're special yeah. and Israel messed that up um, mm-hmm. and you know and then the church comes along and Jesus calls us as disciples and together through bound together through the Holy Spirit we become the church we are the new Israel in a sense we are the new chosen people and I think a lot of times in the last 2,000 years mm-hmm. we've taken that to mean well look at us we're so special instead of realizing that we were called so that we could be the city on the hill right. the light of the world and draw people to Jesus rather than what we have done a lot of which is is push people away from mm-hmm. Jesus, right? Yeah. If the word church has become a term that people aren't comfortable with, that's nobody's fault but the church's fault. Right. Well, the, the other, not only the concept of, you know, I go to church and how how is that kind of messed up as I go to church, uh, but I also reference 
you know, I find myself saying my church, mm. you know? Mm. Oh. And so that's how you, I think, get into the tribalism. Yeah. It's like my church does certain things for me and I feel comfortable at my church. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, I'll build my church. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Not your church. Right. right. So church also calls us to be, you know, not, not of the world. Right. Yeah. yeah. But calls us to a level of living that's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's where we, you know, if I, if I take it in the tribal direction away from, well, Jesus is the Lord, my mm-hmm. Lord, mm-hmm. and it is his church, yeah. you know, um, yeah. then I'm, I'm required to, not have it my way. Right? <laughs> it's not like Burger King. You can't have it. Your way. <laughs> can't have it your way. You know? Well, I think that's a lot of I mean, what we see time and time again uh, in the New Testament, particularly in letters of Paul, but here in the book of Acts as well, is, is a releasing of mm-hmm. my opinions, my thoughts, my uh, myself, um, the the minus of me, mm-hmm. <laughs> to to allow for Jesus to come in and say that. Because you're right, like. We, Jesus, as Lord and King, is the one who has made the church. And part of, part of what that means is also recognizing that Jesus is Lord and King of all creation. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain sense in which all of creation, you know, is the church, uh, and which means that all the people in the, in the creation are part of the church. So when you say my church and you start to focus on what my church does and what it does for me, mm-hmm. you begin to deny, at least implicitly, that Jesus is doing other things outside mm-hmm. of that too, right? That, right? that Jesus is moving. The Word of God is always speaking inside the walls of the church, the building, and outside as well. Yeah. I do. I do think you know when I look back at Acts and I we look at the model. You know, the Holy Spirit had to do a lot to convince Peter that there were some things that he thought were unclean. I, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That. Th- that this would be a part of the church, too. Yeah, yeah. That Cornelius would be a part of the church. Right, right. And, and that was blowing his mind, uh-huh. you know. And he had a hard time overcoming that it, because yeah. we know later in life Paul had to oppose him and say, <laughs> yeah. why aren't you eating with these Gentiles, yeah. you know? And that, Peter's like, they're good enough, but not good enough for me. <laughs> I, just, uh, I don't want to have a, you know, have a dish with them. Right. <laughs> but that's so, exactly right. So and I think that, you know, there's something encouraging in that, too, in the sense that, well, I mean, it's Peter. Peter's always kind of slow to, to get <laughs> to get the message. But it's encouraging to me to see that a, a Peter who can stand up and preach the sermon that he mm-hmm. preached on Pentecost full of the Holy Spirit is still later on going to struggle with sure. the newness of the church itself. Right. He, and it takes him a little while to overcome it. That is a. That is a encouragement to me, but it also sets up a little bit of a pattern, I think, mm-hmm. for, for the rest of us. I mean, it may be a struggle for us to truly embrace the new things that God is doing and, and the new ways in which God is moving the church um, and what church even is, for that mm-hmm. matter, uh, and who belongs in the church, for that matter, right? But th- there's a if we stay faithful and we are truly emptying ourselves of our own thoughts and opinions like it, and we don't just stand on our own pride of what we think is right— that there is transformation that is possible, right? Right. A lot of that goes back to what Paul says uh, in Romans chapter twelve, where he he basically says, like, 
that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and pleasing to God, and that we be transformed by the renewing of our minds mm-hmm. and not conform to the patterns of mm-hmm. this world. That is, I think, I, the, one of the best mission statements the church has sure. is, is how do we stand apart from the world and yet be connected to the world? How do you be that city on the hill, right? You, you are a part, you are set apart, but you're set apart to draw people in. And as you're drawing people in, mm-hmm. some of those people you may not like right. actually want to eat dinner with, right? right. Like, like Peter right. has having that struggle. But the Holy Spirit can, can melt any hardness of heart mm-hmm. that we have in that direction. Yeah. I'm taking a um, caring for community through nonprofit class. Um, and it's all from the lens of what does it mean to do nonprofit from a ministry perspective, from like a Jesus, Christian, Christian yeah. Jesus perspective. And um, the professor is writing a book called Befriend. And she's having us, it's not published yet, but she's having us read a couple chapters in it. But her whole framework. Um, we're also reading the book Toxic Charity so that the whole mm-hmm. framework of the class is um, what does it mean to treat people that you are serving with dignity? Mm. Um, and I, that's been really helpful to think about some really practical implications of that. Um, so and I think that's kind of what we're kind of hinting at a little bit. So seeing that image of God, that spark of God in everyone and treating the people that we are serving and each other and our fellow, you know, the people inside our church that we disagree with, treating people with dignity. Mm. Um, and she's got this great line and she's talking about, um, in, in the book, the book that she's written, um, her name's Dr. Strakova, but it, this line about, so she's just talking about what it means um, to have a faith-based nonprofit and how we're called to um, practice practice this this picture of the church in our community and how that means you know ensuring everyone has what they need to flourish as a child of God so she, the way she says it is it's a deed of communicating respect and enacting compassionate presence mm-hmm. attention and deep listening through symbols and practices that evoke divine presence wow and mm-hmm. i love that li- evoke divine presence so what are we doing in our relationships with each other in whether it's serving or sitting and having a conversation, whatever it is to evoke that divine presence with each other? Mm. Does that, does, does she mean by that, that what we do draws in the presence of God or that God is already present in, in what we're doing? <laughs> Great question. Great question, James. <laughs> <clears throat> Because there's a, there's a level oh, yeah. at which I can see like like we talk about um, we we mentioned before uh, you know wherever two or three are gathered there Jesus said he would be this the spirit of God is there wherever the Holy Spirit is Jesus is also there and so there's a level at which coming together as community is what evokes invokes evokes the the presence of mm-hmm. God the presence of Jesus but there's also a level at which just any time you look at another human being or like I said before just look out into creation everything everything was created through the word of God, as John tells us. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of the word of God stamped on everything. So yeah. you can feel and invoke the presence of God that's already there. Uh, and you don't, there's nothing else you have to do other than just kind of <laughs> receive that. Right. Or, or I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I think in this specific instance, she's talking about it in relation to very, um, very tangible practices of what it means to work with people in yeah. a community. Yeah. So to 
um, create a space, right? Uh, a, like a nonprofit space in this case um, that um, is physically comfortable, visually appealing, and doesn't just throw something together because the people that are going to come in the doors are a little bit dirty right. and a little bit, they're not used to nice things, mm, right. right? She's talking about what it means to like see, encounter people in the community and they were afraid to sit on the couch that they, that they, mm. it, it was a nice couch, but it had been donated. It wasn't mm. that they spent a ton of right. money on it. Right. But people coming in the doors, this nonprofit that she was running, um, and they were afraid to sit on the couch, uh, cause they didn't want to mess it up. Um, or even someone who was afraid to come in the door because they had been told before they couldn't come in the door to a place because it was a biracial couple, right? And the man was used to having to stay outside. And so those moments of inviting someone in, evoking that divine presence, meaning that, you know, I see God in you and I'm going to treat you the way that God treats you, right? That you deserve to be treated as a child of God. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to help you to not just have the nice couch that you can sit on, but what does it mean to make mm. you feel like you are worthy to sit on that couch, mm. no matter what you came in experiencing or feeling um, or wearing, like that that right. kind of thing. That makes sense? It does. Mm. It, mm-hmm. it kind of gets to, I think, something that you had mentioned to me before earlier in the week, but you were talking, I think it was a conversation we were having um, about the difference between belonging and fitting in. Yes. Yes, so uh, I love that. Expand on that a little bit. <laughs> so um, it was uh, Brene Brown talking about, so she's a, um, a researcher and a, a qualitative researcher. So it's not numbers, it's um, experiences. And she's trying to put these things into words. So she said the research, the most, one of the most shocking things about her research was that the opposite of uh, belonging was fitting in. Hmm. And what that meant was if I approach a community or part of community or group and I have to look at that and assess what I need to do or what I need to change in order to fit into that space, to be accepted in Mm -hmm. that space, do I need to act differently? Do I need to say something differently? Do I need to wear something Mm -hmm. differently? Whatever those things are that we do and say, okay, in order to be accepted in this space, I have to change what I'm doing versus so that that's the fitting in piece versus what does it mean to actually feel like you belong and that requires no change in the person so the community says i am going to mm-hmm. accept you no right. matter what you don't have to change what you think or what you um, what mm-hmm. you say what you right. wear what you what kind of car you drive whatever it is like you are accepted and loved exactly how you are. Mm. You belong. And I can bring my whole, it demands a person bringing their whole entire authentic self with all your grunge and your problems and your issues right. to that space and being loved in that space. And as, yeah, so just this pitting those two against each other mm. is fascinating to me because I think we tend to think of them very similarly. Yeah. That's, I've heard the church described as, uh, you know, that the, the, the three things are, you need to believe, yeah. you need to behave, and you, <laughs> and you need to belong. Yeah. And what order we put those in uh-huh. is like, well, first of all, if you're going to come in here, you need to behave, no. you know? Yeah. And um, <laughs> this sounds like my you grandmother. Know, if you'll behave, then, and you'll stick around long enough to believe, uh, mm. like I do, then you can belong. Yeah. And what you're describing is, uh, kind of Jesus went into the world and the the woman at the well, for instance. Mm. We belong. She was like, do I, do I worship over here? Do I worship? Where is church? Yeah. For me. That's good. He's yeah. like, no church is, 
if you just knew who you were talking to, yeah, it's yeah. my church, you know, and it, it's like suddenly out of that sense of belonging, she runs back into town and says, "Let me tell you Belief. about Jesus," <laughs> and she's she's like a missionary, yeah, yeah. conversion, one of know? the first evangelists of the gospel. That's so, so cool. So I think part of it is we get that we put it out of order, and that creates a sense of my church you know yeah because i i'm i'm putting these um kind of requirements yeah yeah uh i think jesus said i'm going to spend enough time with you and when i'm with you you will go away a believer yeah right yeah and because that- i accepted you the disciples are saying why are you talking to that woman you know yeah. and jesus like well She's, you know, he invoking the presence of God, mm-hmm. like yeah. you said, that is already there in her, right? And acknowledging whatever struggles she's had, you right. know, right. and and names them. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. yeah, just names them. You do have five husbands. <laughs> Why <Right? laughs> isn't that? What <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> and like, what you have said is true. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> and I think part of our challenge as people trying to be church mm-hmm. is we're a little bit like Peter. Yeah. We will we will always struggle with barriers. Yeah, because we you know have. For whatever reason, I grew up not eating this meat and mm-hmm. believing that this meat was not, I shouldn't eat. And by the way, God said it. Yeah. Right, so it's yeah. not like I'm, <laughs> I I'm make following this up. God. Yeah, right. <laughs> but now I'm having this experience on a rooftop where God is saying, <laughs> Hey, bacon is hey. fine. <laughs> We're going to change that. Yeah. You know, now I want you to see these people. Yeah. Who are different from you as belonging. Yes. And maybe that's a good way to talk mm-hmm. about it in the sense of belonging, because I think what Jesus or what Jesus is saying to Peter there is that there's no one who doesn't belong in my church, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, to get back to those three things that you just mentioned, there might be a level, this might be true of me, uh, and I may have seen this in other people too, but... There's a level of, I felt like I had to go through requirements in order to belong to the church. Therefore, now I'm going to make you do the same because that's the only way you can earn it or that's the only way you can really feel justified at being here. I think that's what the law was all about with the the, uh, Israelites and what Peter is struggling Mm -hmm. with. Because uh, that whole idea of like, well, do the Gentile Christians have to follow the law? And there's a lot of people, James, yeah. brother of Jesus and Peter, who are like, uh, how are we yeah. going to ask them to behave? <laughs> yeah, what, right. What kind of behaviors are we expecting? <laughs> and Paul them? and Barnabas yeah. are like, okay, guys, but here, let me tell you what I'm seeing. Let me mm-hmm. show you what. Right. And a lot of that gets down to this divide that I've I've been talking about recently quite a bit. Uh, is is it all comes down to experience versus tradition, and and the idea that these kind of conflicts rise in the church, these issues of belonging arise in the church when God does something new and that experience doesn't quite fit with the mm-hmm. tradition that came before, uh, what God did new last time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's the, my experience has told me that this tradition is right and good and helpful. Yeah. And your experience does not have that particular tradition and you're telling me that it's right and good mm-hmm. and helpful and we have to reconcile that right. and that's difficult. And it's not something that we can reconcile. It has to be the Spirit of God. I mean, I think that's the key piece. Uh, and a lot of people have quit church. Yeah. Since the 
1990s. It's, you know, for the first time in the, you know, in the last number of years, church more than once a year is the way they, the researchers measure it. Has, has very high bar below, there. You know, down to 30 something percent of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So part of what the chat, I, I heard about a church, I was listening to another podcast. Sorry. Chicken. You know, what? So we demand yeah. loyalty here. <laughs> that is a requirement. You have misbehaved. Yeah. <laughs> you no longer belong. You don't belong. We're talking about all these people who, you know, left church, but still believe and still behave. You know? Yeah. But don't belong somewhere. Yeah. And so some church out in the Midwest decided that's the people we're going to go after. You know, we're going to create a marketing plan just yeah. to, just to, and and they found out that most of those people, you know, if you would have coffee with them or invite them into your home, they would come to church. Oh. Yeah. It was because suddenly, well, I just want, you know, I just felt like I didn't belong anymore. But if we could help them belong, yeah. they already are still living the lifestyle of following Jesus. They still believe in Jesus. Those things haven't changed. It's just that they don't. There's not a church they, they feel like they belong to. Yeah. Wow. And so I, I do think that's a powerful concept of how do you create belonging? And I know there's always a tension between inclusivity and exclusivity. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. just like there's a tension between servanthood and conversion. You know, yeah. Yeah. do I just go and serve or do I say a good word for Jesus here. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. do I yeah. try to yeah. help people come to be followers of Jesus? You yeah. Know? The tension between those is is evident, you know, and it exists. And I do think that exclusivity mm-hmm. and inclusivity is always, there's a tension. There are good things about both sides yeah. of that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, again, I think it comes back to questions of identity mm-hmm. uh, and who a church uh, you know, who the church sees themselves as. You know, mm-hmm. Northside Church has a particular identity, uh, and that identity is shaped by certain values and, and, and images that we have of ourselves. Uh, a lot of that identity is shaped by a couple, you know, like what we were talking about before is, you know, it's shaped by um, the core of what we mm-hmm. think is true about the world, but it's also shaped, I mean, let's, if we're honest with ourselves, it's also shaped by boundaries that we've set up. Mm-hmm. And um, when people cross those boundaries, it makes us uncomfortable. And when people poke at the core, it makes us upset, mm-hmm, right. <laughs> right? But part of being in a tradition, part of being in a faith, uh, and this is, yeah, we can see this in scripture. So this is, this is uh, again, the implicit message of scripture is that, that, that the Bible is an ongoing conversation about who God is and, mm-hmm. and who we are in relation to God. It's not the, it doesn't look the same for us as it did for Abraham. So mm. we're two different ends of the spectrum of this ongoing conversation. And that, content, that conversation didn't end when the Bible ended. Mm-hmm. There is an ongoing conversation about who we are in relation to God and who God is. doesn't mean that God changes. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, radical, heretical beliefs about the fact that God is just willy-nilly and is changing mm-hmm. his mind all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a, there's a level of humility that we need to have about what we believe and what we believe is most important, what we think it means to belong, mm-hmm. and what, who we think is, should be included and who should be excluded. We start having those kind of conversations, and so often 
it's not driven by humility and it's not driven by the concern that you brought up with the woman at the well. I think that was, I think that's a great story to kind of illustrate what we're talking about in the sense that this church belongs to Jesus mm-hmm. and he's the one who decides who belongs. And as far as I can tell, he has said, that's, yeah, it's everybody, guys. It's everybody. <laughs> I, I think too, we, um, I acknowledge for myself that things that are important to me seem to take the center, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they might be peripheral things, mm-hmm. you know, that I put in the center yeah. that seem really critical to me. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, yeah. and how do I keep the peripheral things <laughs> from, at the, from at drifting the, towards the center? Right. right, right because yeah. that's, that's our nature is, it is. is to, and, and so let me just mention politics. Oh, please if, do. <laughs> if that if that drifts to the center of mm. church, mm-hmm. then we become more of a tribe rather mm-hmm. than the church. That's right. right. That's right. Right. And so I have to I have to recognize that I lock arms with in the Book of Acts people who have a very different um, cultural yeah. approach than me, yeah. but. But the center is this Jesus who redeems us, forgives us, calls us, yeah. empowers us, this Holy Spirit that works in us. And you know, then I have to recognize that that may call me to move to the periphery some things that you know, I get up and think about every day because they're really important to me, right. you know, or critical to me. But you know, travel around the world, you know, right. I, you, you've, you know, people have different ways of expressing their faith in That's Jesus, true, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I have to be uh, accepting of, of those various ways of expressions and yeah. cultural expressions that may not be mine. And, and they're still church. And that, We're still church together. And that's the beauty of it is that somewhere in between you two, is is the truth, you know, of of who Jesus is and who God is, right? That humility, that humility, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I think there is a rise in the church of the of the congregation. Have you noticed that? What do you a, mean by that? I mean, uh, you know, so churches are taking off the sign. I, I, Northside Church yeah. has been around how long? Sixty five. I think no, fifty-five. I mean, we were fifty-five. 70, we were sorry. 50? I think it was nineteen fifty. Yeah, it is. It is because well, we're so approaching so North... seventy years. Yeah, Seven, yeah. Because we're coming up on seventy-five. Yeah, yeah, we're coming up on seventy-five. Yeah. And and the United Methodist Church was established when nineteen sixty-eight. Right. So when this church began, it was not a United Methodist Church. Right. But this church has a congregational presence. Yeah. Right? And I'm not. I'm not talking political or right. you know anything. I'm just simply saying I think this if you came to this community yeah that is around us mm-hmm. and said the Northside Church is going to go away. We're going to close the doors. We'll put uh you know we're going to preserve these stained glass windows, put up uh plywood over them so nobody will break them, etc. Would the community scream out and say, please don't go. Yeah. You're too important in this community. You've transformed this community. And my sense is 
There are 734 kids that played basketball with Sports and Rec at Northside Church that their families would say, where's my kid going to yeah. have yeah. that kind of environment? Yeah. Yeah. So part of the congregational yeah. sense is who are we and who are we in this community and how do we invite people into that and how do we include people in in the life of this church? Yeah. Uh, and that, that, to me, is a different model that contrast with kind of the parish model is we belong to this super structure, which right. is, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a, not a bad thing. But the, the tension between those two is, are we going to be a church, you know, that is located, that does have a location. Yes. That yes. calls together people, but we're going to touch the lives of people around us. Right. Uh, and help them belong. Yeah. And I think that's that's a challenge for us. I think that is a challenge. Um I've always you know gone through seminary and I did my undergrad work in theology and and church stuff too. So I've been doing church studying a lot. Yeah. A lot of church conversations mm-hmm. over the past 20 years. Uh and in those conversations the 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 debate or the question arises like um what's uh what's more important or what's more real the the church universal or the local church mm-hmm. and by the church universal we mean everybody who believes in Jesus Christ right. as part right. of this one big Followers church right and then the local church being the actual local community that you're a part mm-hmm. of and for me i think for me it's always been uh it's only the local church there is yeah. no church universal outside of the local church expressed in the community of people who have come together in the name of Jesus Christ. There are many communities like that, and we're all connected by the Holy Spirit. Sure, I say that. But to talk about the universal church as some kind it's of... Good you would say. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> but, but to talk about the universal church as some kind of meaningful category uh, outside of the local church, outside of the actual people that we are you know, in relationship with, I think doesn't have much in the way of value or meaning. Um, and, and I think what you're expressing as, as, as being a congregational presence gets to that idea is, is that our call, our mission field, so to speak, as, as Northside Church is to the community in which we find ourselves. Right. That is our mission field. Mm-hmm. One yeah. of the reasons why we started the counseling center here at Northside Church is because that was a need that we saw in the sure. community around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and there are people who go and do mission work all across the globe. And I have no doubt God calls people to do that mm-hmm. and whatever. But our primary focus as missions should be the people are right here in our backyard, mm-hmm. in our front yard, right. and you know, walking around the side of the house. Like that, that, yeah. is, that, is, yeah. that is where we are. That's I, who we are. To me, I think the only way that that like, universal church really could mean anything is in the sense of how people perceive it, how a general, like a general perception of it, you know, like when people say, I don't want to do church anymore, or I'm leaving church or, you know, or I've heard people say like, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians, you know, like that, (laughs) that sort of what does church mean in that, in that kind of framework. But the only way that you change that, or the only way that perception is altered is through a local, is the local church, right? Someone encountering a member of a local church and what is that local church done? Mm -hmm. Like, do I, have I been invited? Do I belong? Can I feel a sense of belonging at this place? Um, it, that those are, those are the moments, right? That's the real thing, right? Where two or three are gathered. That's, that's, that's that's what's important. 
But yeah, I do. Th I I love to think about this universal church, especially when we have communion. Yes, because I think about that table and the different styles of tables all around the world, yeah, and yeah, people yeah. gathered around those tables. Yeah, with their own kind of dress, mm -hmm. with their own kind of bread. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. That's cool to think about. Yeah, but that we are all connected yes. around this this table. this table. Yeah, and I don't get to come to the table and say, "Make <laughs> this is the kind of bread I like." <laughs> and so everybody this, has to use this bread, right? <laughs> I don't, you know, so we all are coming around a central table right? in our communities all around the world. Yes. But the focus is I'm here to remember yes. what Jesus did. I think that's beautiful. And Ken. it's his church. Right? Yes. And it's his table. Right. And it's his table. Right. He's the one who invites us to and, the table. And when we yeah. come together in the spirit of God, connected like that in communion, whatever table we come to gets transformed into Christ's table in that sense. It's kind of a Protestant version of transubstantiation, except for it's not the body and blood, it's the table that gets transformed. I'm not sure how to go with that. There, there's a little bit of maybe heresy. Dropping those big seminary words. <laughs> but, there's a different podcast than what Elizabeth and I are on. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> big seminary words. Uh -huh. But, uh, but I, I love that image, though. And, and one of the things I love about communion, too, is uh, it's, to get even deeper into what you're saying there, Ken, is, is that it connects us. When we come to the table, to participate in communion, we are not only participating with those people who are in the room with us, mm -hmm. but people across the globe, as you just said, but also we are participating in communion with everybody who ever has participated right. in communion. So we're right. sitting down with Jesus and Peter, and we're sitting down with Paul, and we're sitting down with Augustine, and we're sitting down with Luther, and with Wesley, and we're sitting mm -hmm. down with all these guys, and we're sitting down with everyone who will believe in right. Jesus in the future, generations that haven't even been born yet. So there's this mm -hmm. transcendence of time and space. It is so, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. It's a beautiful image. And we say at, at Northside, we say the table is open. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So we just and acknowledge what is true, which is the table it, because, is open. Because yeah. we, we didn't call you to this table. Right. Right. We didn't invent this table. Right. We didn't create this table. This is, this is the this table is, of Jesus. That's right. right? And I, I do think there's a, a beauty in that sense of, you know, congregationally, we invite people to his table. Acknowledging that this table is not my table. This table is Jesus's table. Um, my part in it is to make sure there is a chair for you. You can talk about it that yeah. way. That could yeah, also, yeah. you know. Yeah. My part in it is to be sure I'm not sitting in the middle of the table. <laughs> <laughs> get off the table, Ken. You're on top of the, of the middle of the table. Maybe we should keep that as a catchphrase Move right here. Whenever to the same size chair everyone else is in. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, Scoot over a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna start using you know? that. Whenever somebody starts stating their own opinion as gospel, I'm gonna be like, uh, get off the table. Get off the table. <laughs> well, I mean, that goes back to what you were saying though. I love the imagery of Jesus at the center, right? Jesus' yeah. table is at the center and there are lots of things in our periphery from, you know, the cranky mood I was in when I woke up to, to my political mm -hmm. beliefs right. and how I believe church should be and all these other things, but they have to be just that. They mm -hmm. have to be peripheral because my peripherals are different than yours. But if we can have the same thing at the center, yeah, Jesus' table, then that yeah. is what is going to keep us going. And, and you talked about humility 
it's decentralizing myself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. It's I, I need to decentralize myself and, and that's our whole you know, if it's my church, I centralize myself. Right. And as long as you come in here and behave the way I behave and believe the way I believe, then yeah, you can belong. The question is, how do I extend, you know, decentralize myself and say, I don't get to have it the way I want it. Yeah. I, we are all at this table. And I used, we used to say in, in our church plant, you know, everybody gets a say, but not nobody gets their way. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Oh, everybody gets a say, but nobody gets their way. So it's in the church. I have to give up my way. Yeah. You know, and say, I want to hear what you say. And, you say, hear. and there's a level at which not only do you have to give up your way, but you have to be okay with that. I mean, it's not like begrudgingly giving up your way, right? Yeah. That's another part of what builds the animosity and right. division in the church. Right. There's a great, uh, great passage in Romans chapter 14. And I've come back to this many times in the last few weeks, but um, they're having a big debate about whether you should eat meat sacrificed to idols or not. And Paul yeah. basically is like, oh my gosh, this is so irrelevant to anything that's really important about yeah. what you guys should be caring about. Right. <laughs> but he's right. like, all right, but look, if you want to eat it, eat it. If you don't want to eat it, that's fine. Just do whatever right. is right to you. But then he says, whatever you believe about this, keep your opinion to yourself. That's between you and God, right? right. So right. don't cause fights and division in the church yeah. because you have a strong opinion about the way in which other Christians should be living their life. Right. Yeah. And there's there's a level of like uh, humility for that, but also being grateful, being grateful mm-hmm. that there are so many different perspectives and different ways of thinking about how we uh, do this thing called church. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to this whole big church, little church, church, universal, local church conversation, because that is so much easier to do when you are in a church setting face-to-face with someone else, right? Yes, when you're in a relationship. It's relationship, right? Uh, Handing down edicts and rules and laws from on high, like that gets very sticky, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it's that system stuff, you know, but it is, what does this actually mean in a relationship between you and me, Yeah. right? What do I see? Where do I see God in you? Maybe I don't agree with you or what you're doing, but, you know, God, Ken, I see God in you, right? Mm. I, this is Ken's and, doing all right. Ken's doing great. <laughs> um, yeah, and so yeah, like seeing that up Thanks front and up close. <laughs> you I'll belong put, here. Ken. Put that on my resume when I get to the pearly <laughs> gates. Ken Snell is endorsed by Dialogue Disciple, <laughs> and Peter's going to be like, "Oh wow!" I thought of this passage, <laughs> yeah, um, in Colossians chapter two. Uh, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, one of the challenges of church is, you know, overflowing with thankfulness. Can I I go to church and be with church and— keep the main thing is oh this is how i came to jesus you know that's um it's it's not easy i i don't i don't find it easy to do that this is something ken that i think you have brought to Northside, and what you have 
taught us and what you were trying to teach us through your actions, because you are very, conversation is very important to you. Being mm-hmm. with people is very important to you. And it is sticky to have relationships. It takes mm-hmm. time. And that's annoying, especially when you're trying to get things done and you're at work and you just want to check off the list and right, it's hard, yeah. right? But you are so intentional about, well, can we have a conversation about this mm-hmm. instead? Let me explain the reasoning behind this thing that I'm doing. Let's right. sit down and talk it through. I don't want to just give you a law or a rule like let's let's let this thing this idea be born naturally in a space together can we talk it out and um you know you're not one of those people that oh how are you doing good okay you know i'm just going to rush by you and move on with my day like Mm -hmm. you you have shown me that you actually care if what my response to that question (laughs) is like how are you doing and you know and that that has made a huge impression on me (laughs) and it has I, I think started to turn the tide here of this kind of um, this tendency that we all have in us to just keep moving forward and rushing forward. And, yeah. you know, yeah. that that's that's the Jesus that you bring. And I'm I'm really grateful for I that. I appreciate that. I, you know, it's a it's not easy every day to, sure. you know, you get in the middle of things. But I, I do think it's relationships are messy. They're just messy. They that's just the way, you know, relationships are. And I. You know, sometimes it's just important, uh, I think, for us to just live in that somewhat, you know. And uh, to me, I I think that's, you know, if we could just meet every person, if I could do that, (laughs) what you've described, I wish I could do that. Every time is just meet people with that sense of my hands are open. Yeah. I'm you know, hospitality, that yes, sense of openness yes. to whatever yeah. it is you're bringing. Yeah. And, and I, can I set aside my own, you know, whatever is going in my head to listen, yeah. you know, can I listen and, and, you know, yeah. without trying to figure out what I'm going to say back, you know, uh-huh. just hearing, it's just, you know, I think that's, uh, that's what I see in Jesus is just that ability to well. just stop and, and hear. And that's that actually is our Advent devotional topic. It's kenosis. That's I heard someone describe that. That is what that means. Like you just Mm. described it, Ken, like emptying yourself in order to be there for another person, because that's Mm. what Jesus does for us. Beautiful. I didn't know. Thank you. Thank you. Good plug. I was going to say, Ken, you're definitely better at it than the last guy who had your job. Who who Uh, was he? I don't don't remember remember his name. I I have no idea who that guy was. He had many gifts. He's gone now. He had many gifts. He's gone to us now. uh, Well, Ken, thank you so much for being here, being a part of this conversation. This was a great conversation, uh, and that was a great word to wrap up I wasn't nearly as nervous as I thought I would be. Well, see, I told you, you just get in here and have a conversation. (laughs) There we go. And wherever two or three are gathered, we just did church. We just did a little church right there. We are. Amen. We appreciate you for joining us. Elizabeth, thank you for being here. And everyone, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.